Should you take that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm Allie Grant. And I'm just you. Welcome to Follow Me, your resource for all things influencer. Brought to you by B Social Group. Now, let's see who we're following this week. Rather than following like the trend or following what you think you should do, follow what you're most curious and excited about because it'll be a much better end result. Welcome to the Follow Me Podcast, your resource for all things influencer marketing. Allie here with Jessica. Today, we are so excited to chat with digital content creator, YouTuber, and founder of The Homebodies Co., Jules Acre. But first, let's talk about who we're following this week. You know what I'm following this week, Jess? What? TikTok got a new rebrand, and they have new font on their videos. So, like, did you not notice this? No, I did not notice this. Well, when you have an eye for design, like, oneself, you recognize (laughs) that they have gone through a rebrand. Yeah, they, like, change the font ever so lightly. (laughs) Like... (laughs) This is so dumb, but like, I thought it was like, I was like, oh my God, they've totally changed the font. This is such a thing that I didn't really hear people talking about it. But then in my TikTok feed, there was this girl that was like, you guys, TikTok changed their font. And I was like, yes, like, why are we not talking about this? It's a big deal. This is why TikTok is so addicting because videos come up where you like truly, it's your community. Like that video would come up for your, for you page because like, you it's me and it's like I swear it knows my thoughts no I (laughs) is like that's why TikTok is being banned because it knows too much about us I would not want to be living in Montana right now I would be so so upset what are the people of Montana currently doing just having a lot more time back to themselves well I have a friend that lives in Montana and I was like oh my gosh like there's no TikTok in Montana and she was like there isn't (laughs) It's like, okay, wrong audience, like, please. (laughs) But I think it's, from my understanding, it's not like if you already have downloaded it, you can like access it. I think it's just new users. This is not CNN. Let me preface this by saying this could be fake news. I'm not quite sure. Allison, is this verified? Yeah, I mean, I'll ask her, but I was like, she was like, I didn't know that I can't, like, I think she could just still see it. That's basically what's going on this week in my world. What about your world, Jess? My world, we have a company headshot photo shoot tomorrow, which is a <sighs> company rebrand. Get ready, you guys. Yeah, so full headshots. We rented out a studio. We have a photographer, a videographer, and we are taking a photo shoot of our huge team for website, all the things. We'll do some behind the scenes like social content. I love a headshot. Like I think in corporate life, like having a proper headshot on your LinkedIn and all the things. I agree. It is like a, it's sassy. We should get into our episode. So Jules, Jules Acre, I met her actually a few weeks ago in Austin, Texas, when I was there meeting with our client, Rainy. She's incredible. She's an OG. She's been influencing for 10 years. I feel like she just like knows what she wants and what she's like achieving and just kind of doesn't care about what other people think or competition stays in her lane, super sure of herself, knows what she likes to do and what she doesn't and just like sticks with that. I love that. I need more of that in my... I don't... I am like such a follower. Like I'm just like, (laughs) what are the trends and like where can I like fit myself in? But in this episode, I feel like we 
we talk about that, like being true to yourself and for her as a content creator, what makes sense, when to say yes, when to say no, how to be successful, how to unwind, how to get offline. I like this episode. I do too. I think what Jules really said eloquently too is like success doesn't look the same for everyone. You know, when she was kind of going into products that she launched outside of brand partnerships, you know, she was really adamant on being really passionate about everything that you're producing, whether that's organic content, paid partnerships, you know, products down the line, like you have to genuinely live and breathe it in order for it to be successful. So I really appreciated that feedback. Jules Acri is a digital content creator, YouTuber, and entrepreneur based in Austin, Texas. Through the lens of mindfulness, self-care, and intentional productivity, it's Jules's mission to help people slow down and find more ease in this digital age. Jules is a certified meditation, mindfulness, and yoga teacher, and the founder of low-waste concept show, The Homebodies. Jules's work has been featured in Southern Living Magazine, Well and Good, Shape Magazine, Thrive Global, and more. She was named Wonderless 35 Under 35 in wellness and was featured as one of the Knot's most influential weddings. <gasps> we didn't talk about wedding. I'm a fan. should have tapped her brain for that. But welcome, Jules, to the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Jules. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great meeting you last week. Or I know. <laughs> I know. We, that was like two weeks ago. So I went to Austin for an event with, I don't know how to say it, Rayel. Rayel. Mm-hmm. Rayel. Okay. So it's yeah. like an organic menstrual company, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Menstrual, skincare. Skincare now, which is their face masks. Like, amazing. So good. But it was good meeting you there. And you hosted essentially like a meditation session, right? Yeah, I did a guided meditation and a guided journaling workshop, which was super fun. Yeah. Have you done something like that before? Yeah, it's actually, it's been a while since I've done an in-person meditation, but I've done like digital journaling workshops or like guided meditation, like through audio, but being there in real life with people, it's definitely a more connective experience. So I like, I like doing that. Yeah, I wish I could be like someone who meditates every day. (laughs) I I have not gotten around to doing it. And I have like all the intention in the world to do it. And I think it would really serve great purpose for me, but I can't get myself to do it. What are tips to like, finally get into meditation? Because I need it. I think meditating, like people often think that it's completely clearing your mind and like having to sit in the specific posture and be in yoga clothes. Like you can literally meditate at your desk, even if it's just saying, okay, I'm like turning off my monitor for a second and I'm just going to breathe 60 seconds. You can just start very small. There's so much that can be accomplished in one minute, just like tuning into your breath, slowing your breathing. It can make a world of difference. So you can just start with one minute. And then maybe increase that. Maybe if you enjoy doing it, then you can go outside, a walking meditation. Meditation can look like a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be what you would traditionally think of meditation, seated, all that stuff. Yeah. I actually didn't realize that. Like I thought it had to be, yeah, like seated and you're saying things to yourself. And But it's basically meant to calm your body and your mind down, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just tuning in and connecting to your breath, creating space wherever you are in your day, creating space between your thoughts, creating space between your actions and just allowing yourself to like slow down and pause. 
I need like to pause all the time, honestly. <laughs> like, we, we all do. We live in that world and, you know, it's it's hard. <laughs> Especially social media. Like it's just, you're always on, right? Like you're always, all of your audience can connect with you. It's just like this always on mentality. What are things you've done as a creator to unwind and detach from that? I think, you know, when I first started, I started my blog 10 years ago. And so it's, there's been a lot of evolutions of myself and my relationship with social media. And it's very much like a, an ebb and flow type of thing. If I'm feeling really inspired and really motivated, then I'll lean into that. If I'm feeling more introspective and not wanting to be on camera as much, I kind of lean into that. I don't feel like I think with regular, with other jobs, there are different seasons. And with content creation, it often feels like you have to be on the screen 24-7. But I try to approach my business not in that way because it's not sustainable for me. And so, you know, like if I'm feeling really energized, like maybe I try to cycle sync and it's definitely helped me a lot. So if I'm feeling energized, I'll create more content during that window. But then when I'm feeling more introspective, wanting to slow down, not feeling like I want to get dressed and put makeup on and all that, then I'll do more of like the back end stuff. So not everything has to be like created piece by piece posted in real time, every single day, like that's just not how I personally do it. But some people do and they thrive in that way. So I think it's just kind of knowing yourself and knowing your own boundaries. Yeah. Were you saying cycle as in like your period cycle? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yep. And what are the three phases? There's four phases. So your menstrual, there's your, okay, so luteal phase, that's the guided meditation workshop that I hosted. So luteal phase is typically when I'm feeling the least like wanting to be around people, which is funny because I was like literally the phase I was in while hosting that workshop. So I was like, okay, I'm like pushing through. So luteal is when I'm like, I'm like, I really cannot think of creative ideas right now. I don't want to be on camera. And then there's menstrual, which is obviously your period. There's ovulation. There's follicular. So follicular is usually when you're feeling really sparkly and creative and energized, more social. So if you can schedule more of your podcast interviews during that time or your in-person meetings, you can do that, create more content and just, yeah, kind of trying to cycle sync the best you can, knowing that we all have deadlines. We can't always work a whole schedules around that. But I, I try to be mindful or at least remind myself, oh, I'm not feeling as productive today. Let me look at where I'm at in my cycle. Ah, that's That makes sense. I'm in my luteal phase. So I have a little bit more compassion for myself. Do you use an app to track your cycle or do you do it another method? Yeah, I use a couple different apps, but Stardust has been my favorite. Stardust? Stardust. Yeah, it's super... I've never heard of that. It's beautiful. It's women-owned. It's all about privacy first, so they're not selling your data. And it's one of the most unique apps that I've personally used because it's more of like a horoscope for your period. And it's really witty. It's I read it like every single day, like I'm reading my horoscope. And they sync it to the moon and all of that. They have so many new features coming out. I actually just chatted with the founder, one of the the head of brand. And she was just, I was just talking to her about all the cool things that they're doing. And I feel like more people need to know about the app for sure. Yeah. Wait, I'm like, I use, um, what is that other one? Natural cycles is what I use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those like measuring basal body temperature and things like that, or there's like a thermometer component. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which I never like do the thermometer. So it's like not accurate. So I like, <laughs> constantly think I'm pregnant or something or whatever. So. Either. I feel like I need to do a better job of tracking. It's hard. They don't teach us this in school. A lot of us are learning this in adulthood. And it's something that like could have made a world of difference growing up. So but it's really empowering once you do know. And it's not that hard, like once you get into the rhythm of it. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. You know who's super into this, Jess, is Tanya, Tanya Rad. She's always like, she like a friend of mine. She's always like, you know, this is the workout I do during luteal phase. And this is the workout I do, whatever. And I'm like, what is this? But like, I feel like for whatever reason, this like methodology or whatever you want to call it has been like surrounding me recently. And I feel like I need to like lean into it because I'm someone who's like, during different phases of my cycle, like a complete biatch at one point, like I can't even stand anything or anyone. And then I'm super, I'm just so up and down. So I need to look into this and like, it's smart to like schedule things accordingly. Yeah. I feel like tracking it, even though I should be more consistent with it, I feel like a sense of relief once I know like what kind of, (laughs) because sometimes I'm like, why am I being such a raging (laughs) Oh, it's going to be my period. It's totally fine. I know. It's, it's like a sense of relief. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm not that evil. <laughs> there have been so many times where I'm like snappy with my husband and then I'll come back into the room and be like, I'm my period. Just so you know, I didn't mean what I said. Or I didn't mean to say it that way, but you can't call me out on being on my period. Only I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. You said you've been, you've had your blog, blog for 10 years. Is that correct? Yeah, it's like nine and a half. Yeah, pretty much like close to 10. So you're like an OG influencer. Like Be Social was started like 10 years ago. So like kind of like the same time frame. So how did you get into the creator economy? Like what what sparked that? So I started my blog 10 years ago, but I wasn't actually active on Instagram until a couple years after that. It was just one of those limiting beliefs of feeling scared of putting myself out there on the internet and having a little blog just felt a little safer. But I think like I've always had some sort of blog or some outlet pretty much my entire life, like back to what was that called? Like Zanga, Live Journal, those types of things, Tumblr. I did all that stuff. I loved writing. So I got into it initially for my love of writing, but then I started diving more into natural skincare. And that kind of led me into like the wellness path and yoga. And then my Instagram handle used to be Oh Man the City because I lived in New York and I was doing yoga poses all over anywhere I could find. I would do a handstand or whatever <laughs> back in the day. And yeah, I, I shifted away from the Omen City name and wanted to just be my own name, Jules Acre. And yeah, now I feel like I still hold a lot of the same values and pillars in my life that I did when I was back like home in the city. But now it feels just super aligned because I can just be me and not just yoga blogger me, talk about more things beyond that scope. Yeah. So you switched your handle then. Was that kind of like, a that was a, probably a big decision because that was like your brand and your logo and all the things. So was there a fall off from that or is like only been a beneficial thing to change? I don't feel like there was a fall off. Like for me, it was like a no brainer. It was something I wanted to do and I wanted to do it for a while. It was just more of the logistics of like, okay, I need to relaunch my site and rebrand it. I wasn't worried about 
falling off or worried about losing people because I felt like the longer I held on to a brand name that didn't really connect with me anymore, I'm just kind of delaying stepping into my own name and owning that. So it felt good and it still feels good. And everything just feels a lot more cohesive and clear on like my direction, my content. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of like OG creators kind of doing that, like the Skinny Confidential just moved to Lauren Everett's or Lauren Bostick, you know, like kind of moving away from the blog URL domain as your handle and moving into like, okay, this is who I am. And this is my actual real name. I think it's a smart move. But and was it easy to get like the handles and stuff? Or were there ones that were already taken? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had my name saved before I was even married to Andrew. <laughs> like, I, I've saved like every version of my name. So <laughs> I need to do that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, anytime I have like an idea for something or like a name of something that I like or a podcast or whatever I want to do, like I just snag it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm the same way. I'm I call myself a domain collector because I like I own like hundreds of website domains and. Someday they will be valuable. They're like my Beanie Babies. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I literally looked at the Princess Diana Beanie Baby with my mom yesterday. <laughs> she like brought it out in the plastic container and like the plastic cover over the tag. Oh, I had all the plastic covers. That's all about the like, covers. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a peak moment for me. Like, and my dad was like super into it. So he'd like get me a, like get me one like every time he went to an airport. So anyways. I love it. I digress. <laughs> Okay, so 10 years into influencing now, you're like a full-fledged media outlet at this point, right? You have different platforms, you're doing brand partnerships. Where's the core of like your revenue coming from at this point in your career as a creator? When I first started creating content, you know, like it happened so quickly, like the idea of working with brands and having partnerships. So I kind of, that just spun very quickly and I started to just learn along the way. But then over time, I realized I really want to create an actual more well-rounded business with multiple income streams. And so I started creating digital products. And so at one point when I first started, I'd say like, 95 to 100% of my income was partnerships. And then that shifted. And now I have a pretty great business that's digital products, which is almost about 50% of my business now. And it's more passive income, which feels really, really good. I've been able to reach financial milestones that I never thought I would hit. And because of the the digital products, it's taken pressure off of the partnership side where like, I really only take on partners that I'm super, super excited about. I don't have to take them on, you know, unless it's like super aligned. And I've always been really adamant about my values over the years. And I think that's, I really take my community's trust in me very seriously. So that never teeters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's brilliant. We always say that to our clients. It's like diversify your platforms, your revenue streams, because what happens if Instagram goes down tomorrow? Like, how are you making money? So you're, you have like guides and downloadables and that's the brand Homebodies, right? So that's, yeah, that's one side of it. But I also have digital products under Jules Acre. So like JulesAcre.com, I sell different Notion templates. I have a course. I have just different digital tools to help people create more space in their life, whether it's mindfulness, physical space, mental space, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's that's all on my website. And then the Homebodies is more digital journals, digital planning, iPad stuff. So that's a newer direction for that brand. And we are working on new products to add to the shop. Add to the shop. 
How did you kind of come up with the idea initially to go into digital products? Was it something that you were naturally interested in or you were looking for in your own life too? It happened like five years ago when I was moving from New York to Austin and I was really getting into like decluttering and just creating more space in every meaning of the word in my life. And so I started, I created my first ebook, which was called Simplify and Thrive, which has now been turned into a Notion hosted course. And I wanted to create something because I wanted to grow my email list. So I wanted to create an opt-in and an email funnel and like a nurture sequence and start to build community through my email. And I started out with like, 200 email subscribers. And then I started taking it like more seriously and building out more things. And then when my YouTube started to take off, that's what really grew my email list because I had a really good opt-in for that. And now my email list is like 80,000 subscribers. Wow. That's a serious database. Yeah. Wait, that's incredible. Talk to me about Notion because we spoke with Taylor Loren yesterday who started the company Reels Tips. She used to be at like Girl Boss and later, but she also created a Notion guide or what, what do you call it? A Notion platform course? I don't know. Anyways, hers is like a calendar to help you like plan your social media content. So how do you monetize using something like Notion? So I create templates and I think you can, when you first start using Notion, it can be very overwhelming because there's like endless ways to use it, whether it's like note taking, creating databases, tables, it's like pages within pages. It's where I have, I host like literally everything for my business and my life in Notion. And it's hard starting from scratch. So when you purchase other people's templates, you can kind of see the systems that they've already created that you can plug your own stuff into and then customize it to your own needs. So one of our best-selling templates that we sold like thousands and thousands of them is called Design Your Year. And that is a goal-setting and planning template. So that one easy, like quick way to like plan your goals and like really think of what you want to manifest that year. But then we also have like a business template, which is an entire business system, like planning your content, having a roadmap, your digital product sales, keeping track of like your email newsletters, writing it all within Notion, like literally everything's in there. So we build the system that we use ourselves as a team and then create it for other people and they can duplicate it and add their own stuff. Super interesting. Yeah, because I think that's how Taylor's been monetizing her templates was the word I was looking for. (laughs) I cannot figure that out. But she sells those through her social media following. And I think it's more about like social media, you know, content and all of that. But I think that's such a smart business model, like templates and guides and downloadables, like, because basically you put in the effort, you, you know, do the research and the content for them one time. I mean, unless you make different ones, of course, and upload them. And then forever people can buy them from you. It's like truly genius. So it's like you're sleeping in the middle of the night and people are buying from you. You know, that's passive income to a T. Yeah, that's that's been the goal. <laughs> a lot of questions that we get from talent and influencers is they want to do something off platform, right? do a product or do a podcast, but how do you know which avenue is the right way? Can you share a little bit more about your journey and how you found like these digital products to be the right way for you and your audience a little bit? I think it's important to 
move in the direction of what you're most curious about. Because for me, if I'm not excited or like, if it's not something that I am like staying up late after a long work day, like brainstorming because I'm like so excited and have all these ideas, then it may not be something I want to pursue because a lot of these different projects take a lot of time up front. And if it's just something that you're like, oh, I really should do this and I'm just going to whip something up and like put it out there, like that won't be as successful if it's not something that you're like super jazzed about. So rather than following like the trend or following what you think you should do, follow what you're most curious and excited about because it'll be a much better end result. And I'm a generator. I am working with somebody right now who's working on a secret project with me. And she keeps saying like, you're such a generator, you're such a generator. Like you, if you're not excited about it, like you, it really won't like light up and won't like become a thing. But I can tell you're like 85% baked on this idea. So just keep going. And I'm like, okay, I'm a generator. I'm a generator. Like, I'm trying to like lead into that. <laughs> so like these have been something that excite you, right? Like you get, and you probably also get excited by the fact that you're helping people. By using your guides, you're changing their life essentially. So I love making templates. Like I get really nerdy about it. I think it's so much fun. Like some people hate it. Like some people go a notion of they're like, I don't want to build this myself. I want to plug in something someone already did the work for. And like, that's great. Like I love hanging out with friends at coffee shops and they're like, Hey, I'm trying to like organize my podcast hub. I'm like, give me your computer. And I'm going in there and creating it for them because it's so much fun. So like I genuinely am a Notion fan and user, like hyper user. And so like, I think that making templates is just like a very natural thing. And I've been doing it for several years now. I don't know, but are there podcast templates? Like, is that something that I need to like sort out? So basically the way you think of Notion is like a Google Doc or like a Google Sheet or something. And so you're just building a page for them. I have to look at my website because you can see kind of what Notion can be anything. A template can literally be anything. So if you're hosting a podcast, you can create a page for that and a hub for it. If you are trying to track all of your Korean dramas like I do, then you have a page for that and a hub for that. If you're meal planning or creating recipes or saving recipes, you could have a page for that and that could be a template. Like literally anything can be a template. Okay. Because I only use it for like to-do lists. Like I have a shared task list with one of my employees and we use it. But there's so much more use. There's so much more. Yeah. I might be like a notion queen now. Yeah. And most people, most people, once they get into it, they're like, oh my God, now I see. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about like your team and what that looks like? Like as someone who is like you, a creator, been in this business for 10 years, you have a management team. What does that look like? How do you work with a manager? My manager and I, like we, she knows like the types of brands that I will work with or brands I don't want to work with. So usually she can like say no right away and not even like ask me if it's something that she thinks I'm really would be excited about. She'll show me. And then from there, I kind of look at, do I have the bandwidth? That's a big thing. Like, let me look at my calendar. Let me make sure I don't have too much other partnerships or deadlines during that month. And Notion helps a lot with that. Being able to see everything from a bird's eye view and just making sure I'm not taking on too much because I feel like that is a constant theme in a lot of our lives that we keep adding more to our plate and then we end up in a scramble. And so I try to avoid that as much as possible. So yeah, she like we look at my calendar, bandwidth, deliverables, and she negotiates it all. And then when 
when it's like officially booked, she sends me an email with all the info. And then I send that to my assistant, Jazz, who's here in Austin, who you met at the event. And she kind of takes all of the information from that and puts it in Notion, puts it into our content calendar and breaks it all down. It's on the cal- on my Google calendar. And yeah, so I work with Jazz, assistant does like like she's more than just my assistant. She does so much like project management, helping us stay on track of our deadlines, like following up with me. Like I really am the type of person that needs someone constantly saying like, hey, like, don't forget, did you do this? Did you do this? Like they're not afraid to jump on Slack and say like, hey, you said you'd have this done. Like, where is it? So I really appreciate that. And then I have someone I work with on like more business strategy stuff, launches, email side of things. She's based in Australia and she's been working with me for about four years. And then I work with a girl who does like content strategy. Like she'll help with like home body stuff and um, graphic design. Any new projects that have like brand related things she'll help me on. And she's based in Panama. Her name's Isa. And we've been working together for like a year. And then I'll just have like other contractors that pop in and out for different projects, whether it's like video editor or copywriter. I think people don't understand that like being a content creator is like it's a full-fledged business, right? Like you have production and editing and business and legal and like all these things that have to come together to just get a piece of content up on your Instagram channel. Like so much goes on behind the scenes. So I find it like incredibly fascinating to like figure out like, What is the team behind the creator and what does that look like? And I think majority of the, you know, successful, bigger content creators have a management team. But I also, you know, I own a management company, but I also don't think you need a manager as a content creator. It's like not necessary for success. I'm just curious what your perspective is on that as a creator. I think it depends on like the volume of opportunities coming through, the amount of like negotiation, the licensing, like licensing is a big one for me and a lot of the brands I work with, being able to like understand legally the stuff that you're signing. So I think you can learn those things and look for like words that are like danger words and contracts, like perpetuity, worldwide, irrevocable use, things like that. But Yeah, like you don't necessarily need a manager, especially if you're diversifying your income in other ways and you're not wanting to work with partnerships as like your main source of income or even like a large chunk of your income. But for me at this stage, I feel like my I have other things that I would like to work on beyond the back end of partnerships. I'd rather just focus on the content and the creative. And it's allowed me to expand in so many different ways because I have somebody that's advocating for me, that's supporting me and is able to just take that off my plate. So for me, it's like, if you want to continue expanding as a business, you do have to outsource. And that can look like many different ways. So you have to kind of just think what is the most important what do you prioritize most? But you can't just be a one woman show the whole time because then you will, it just will feel like very restrictive. I also think too, there are some like pain points that I'm sure you feel that you're like, someone else would better be suited to be dealing with these pain points so that I can focus on other parts of my business. And I think outsourcing is for and being strategic about it. Totally. Delegating is key. Yeah, it really is. And it, you'll see that return. Like when you're able to focus on the things that are going to bring you money, whether it's developing a new product or just creating more content, showing up more online, you can focus on doing that and have the experts work on the other things. Mm-hmm. How did you 
get growth as a social media influencer? Was it just because of the interesting poses and locations of your content that sort of just went viral? I think like I've always been a very slow but steady growth type of content creator. And yeah, like things have gone viral here and there. Like I feel like everyone experiences that. But I really try not to catch that wave. Like I really try not to focus on like going for virality. I just want for me, I just want steady and sustainable growth. And I've been really lucky to always have had that, even like from my income to the partnerships coming through, like I've always had people coming to me reaching out, like it's never been like me searching for things, it just kind of flows. And I like the way it feels. I'm not the biggest content creator, but I don't necessarily care to be or want to be. It's just I want to be aligned with the content that I'm sharing. And knowing that like beyond content creation, I'm also doing other things that are really valuable to me and my business that I'm really passionate about. So it just feels good and aligned. Like I'm 31. I feel like at this point in my life, I'm really not trying to just like, keep up with viral growth in the way like TikTok and blah, 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 like all those things. I want to feel good about the work that I'm doing and the content that I'm putting out there. And if growth is like the main focus, then I feel like eventually that's going to eat away at your mental health. And I just want to feel aligned. I want to feel good mentally. I want to create in a sustainable way. And I want to bring value while also recognizing there's lots of people that follow me now that are that have been there for a long time. So sometimes I feel like when people are so growth focused, they don't think about community that they currently have and nurture those people. I love that you said that because I think this business too, it's there's so much room for comparison and it feels icky sometimes looking at the numbers and vanity metrics. But I really think, I mean, we all know that community over quantity really is you know, most important in these situations. And things are always going to go up and down, you know, like posts aren't, you can't constantly have posts performing well. And that's okay. Like I've seen like, there's some videos that like on YouTube, this is why I love YouTube. I'm going to go off on a tangent, but I feel like YouTube, it's great because you put so much effort into a long form video. And even if it doesn't necessarily reach as many people right when you post it, I've had videos that a year later, all of a sudden go viral or all of a sudden are becoming relevant. And that's because people are searching for it now. So maybe not many people wanted this like meditation that I recorded two years ago, but now they want it and it's got over 100,000 views. So it's like, you have to focus more on like evergreen for those types of channels and not be too discouraged if something's not like booming right when you post it. That's why I like YouTube. And I think TikTok and Instagram, it's harder because it's not evergreen. Like there's things I created so many years ago that I'm like, I'll never see it again. I probably don't even remember that I created that. And yeah, I think that's why I so much more enjoy like the YouTube longer form. I'm exploring podcast ideas and things like that. So yeah, we were just talking with a client this morning about she's like really active on all the channels and she she wants to start a podcast too. And we feel like we want her to do it. And so like our what we were saying to her was that it's such a platform where you can really get like deep and like talk about things uniquely to just podcasting that you wouldn't talk about on other channels. Like it's such a unique platform in that way, kind of like long form YouTube, right? Where it's like, you can get deep, you can talk about topics that really excite you that aren't just about virality or what's trending in the moment. And they stay up for, you know, forever, right? Like people can search them, can look through your episodes, et cetera. So I think that would be a really good platform for you to kind of go into next. 
I'm excited. I'm excited to explore it. I haven't talked about it, but I like putting things out there. It pushes me to like keep ideating and creating on that. <laughs> yeah, which is important. You ha- you have to evolve as a creator, right? Like it's like if you never opened up the TikTok app, like where would you be today? Like you got to keep evolving and creating and diversifying kind of what you're doing. So anyways, well, what else is is new for you in the pipelines? Like what are you excited about in your future? Oh man, I I mean, I guess you heard it here first. I'm like looking into starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm a long-winded person and sometimes I just, you know, even on YouTube, it can be limiting because it's like, oh, I don't have enough B-roll for this. So I'm just going to cut my voiceover short, but there's so much more I could share on this or, or talk about. So I'm interested in doing kind of like a solo podcast based off of my newsletter, Slow Brew Sunday. So that's what we're currently working on. And, you know, if someone's listening to this and they actually never see the light of day of this podcast, <laughs> I'm still like in the beginning stages of it. And I'm going to feel it out. Like I'm going to record some episodes and see like, do I really enjoy this? I want to make sure because I don't want to just start something and then have it fizzle out. Like I like to give it my all when I want to commit to something. So yeah, we will see as long as it feels good. As long as I feel like it's providing value, then I'd be super jazzed about it. Yeah, I think that's smart to test it. I I have a client that I represent and we had this podcast. We had a podcast deal actually with a really great network and she just sat at home and like started like a test episode and afterwards she was like, "Oh my god, I don't like doing this. Like this was so uncomfortable. It's not natural to me. Like I don't want to do this. Like this isn't a good use of my time." And yeah, we probably should have like tested that before getting like a contract and a network and all of that. It's a good thing that she re- recognized that. And I think it's like very important for us to do that for different areas of our business because it'll save you a lot of time in the future <laughs> and backing out of things. So it's it's good. Yeah. Test it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was amazing. Thank you for joining us. Where can um, everyone follow you? You can find me at Jules Acre, A-C-R-E-E. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, website, all that. She's got all the things. Meanwhile, I've got like (laughs) underscores and numbers. (laughs) But thanks for coming on, Jules. This was great. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Bye.